On this episode of AV Week, DSF joins DSE, Value Propositions, and AMX and Panopto. All this and more on this episode of AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 536, Simplify the Process. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Sennheiser. For over 75 years, Sennheiser has been a leader in pro audio and is now offering a wide variety of touchless and traditional audio solutions for both corporate and educational campus-wide audio. And by Crestron. Welcome to this episode of AV Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott, filling in for Mr. Albright for avnation.tv. This week, I'm pleased to be joined by two of my good friends. First, we have uh, Ms. Corey Schaefer. She is the Director of Alliances and Ecosystem at QSC. How are you doing, Corey? I'm doing great. Happy Thanksgiving week. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving week to you. This is this is Wednesday. We're recording this on, on Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Uh, and luckily, Corey and uh, Krista took a moment before flights and family time and all that jazz to, to hang out with me. Uh, speaking of Christy, that's Christy Michelle. She is the Midwest Regional Manager for Surge X. How are you doing, Christy? Bless your heart, Matt. Christy, Christy wow. Michelle. Wow, already? Yeah, already. What did I say? You said Michelle. Oh, I'm sorry. I did it again. Knew, we just knew, talked about this too. I knew you. I was gonna. I was gonna drop a bless. Your, listen, I'm. I'm back in Kentucky for Thanksgiving. Gobble gobble, everybody. So, Matt, before we started, we pressed record. I, 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 I. Uh, you, you told I challenged, me. You set I me challenged up. Matt to set say me up at for least failure. One bless your heart, and one I'm sorry. I'm. I'm oh, we, we got it apology. off right out of the top. Yeah. Right at the top, we got that out. That's fantastic. <laughs> so yeah, if, if you are listening in the U.S. or if you celebrate Thanksgiving anywhere else, uh, happy Thanksgiving. You'll hear this on Monday, so it's happy Cyber Monday, I guess. Um, yeah, all that fun stuff. Uh, I, I celebrate in Canada because I'm a double dipper. That's how it works. All right, let's kick this off with a story that comes to us from aviation.tv. Uh, DSF, Digital Signage Federation, is has announced a partnership with... Um, Questex for DSE 2022. Uh, they've both been partners in the past, but uh, again, since DSE was acquired, this is the, the first time that um, DSF has announced that they're going to partner with them, be an association partner for DSE 2022, uh, which is going to take place in Las Vegas, March uh, 22nd through the 24th of, again, 2022. So, Corey, let me let me start with you on this. When DSE was sold, um, I don't want to say there was concerns, but there were questions, right? DSE had a, a, a bit of a tough time going into the pandemic and then through the pandemic, as most of the trade shows have have had. But having DSF sign back on and uh, being a, a part producing live education and uh, some training and some other stuff at DSE, what does that mean to the the, the, the support for DSC and and what the industry is is looking for from DSC. Well, DSC has always been a really great show um, with um, 
uh, Questex purchasing them, you know, there was uncertainty, right, about, you know, what would happen, et cetera. So I think now announcing this partnership says that, hey, we're fully supported. And I think what, what DSE really gets through the Federation also is the endorsement of all the influencers that are involved with the Digital Signage Federation, right? So yep. <laughs> all those thought leaders, industry, you know, um, uh, and they're on the advisory board and they see this, you know, so they're going to be talking about uh, Digital Signage Expo. And and I think it'll be back and back very strongly. And this is an important partnership really because it just shows that um, uh, th that the industry supports it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's the I don't want to say the miss part, but DSF is important. But I don't think you can overlook the players in DSF because right. they're right. We'll say Rich vocal. Ventura. Yeah, they're very vocal. They're very vocal members, uh, yeah. which is great to see. Christy, this is taking place in March uh, of next year. We've seen a, a fair number of shows now go off. We've also seen some shows begin to get canceled again. Um, I, I believe it was IBC just got canceled. Um, but this is going to be, I think, probably, at least in our channel, the next major show in Vegas after CES in January. We don't necessarily know what CES is going to look like. It's they're doing some stuff. They're planning for a lot of in person, but again, that still somewhat remains to be seen. What has to happen for DSE to be a successful show in March? So, I, if it's any consolation, I was at Infocom in Orlando. Which, uh, if we could keep, um, if we're going to rotate every year. If we can keep Infocom in October in Orlando, that would be great. I was so <laughs> – the weather was so nice. Um, but back to business. So in going to Infocom, I definitely saw a few tumbleweeds roll across the showroom floor. It was it was kind of bleak. And, and you know, on, on the positive side of things, it was really nice to see so many people there. But it was manufacturer heavy. Mm -hmm. Um and and I think that you know if that is the litmus test for a Vegas show in March, it's not a positive one. However, you know, we're making strides every single day. It's really hard to have anything go go off without a hitch in you know in Q4 or coming up into Q4. Anyway, we're all busy with things, and mm -hmm. I think we've gotten really you know into habitual place with Zoom calls and such. But I think March would be a wonderful time and a wonderful opportunity for DSF and DSE to go off without a hitch. Um, the only thing that I would say leading up is that I think that we really need to take a look at how CES is going to perform mm -hmm. and also tamper our expectations down as far as populating a show with a massive crowd. I just don't know if we need to have that big of a show anymore um, where we're, you know, maybe maybe if we look at smaller shows and we have more regional shows throughout the year within our industry to we have smaller populations and you know maybe matt you you and corey have been doing this a lot longer than i have i think matt i met you at my very first infocom yep. four or five years ago yep. uh when i was back in the pr space and i just i just don't know when we're all there we're all we're meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting space to to booth to and so it's and i know that the conversations about the digital science federation but at the same time it would be a larger conversation to have is how do we go about meeting and really maximizing our time when we are in person together at these shows i'm going to chime in and say that um to your comment at infocom yeah it was exhibitor heavy because you know 
uh, they had already, you know, had made the commitment, but it also was very tech manager heavy on mm -hmm. higher ed, which was really yeah. great to see. Um, I was surprised at how much of that particular vertical showed up, you know, um, of course, nice. um, Hetman and all the things happening in higher ed, I think was a key reason for that as well. Uh, but I think, I think shows are going to be different. I've, you know, yeah, Matt and I have been doing this a while, but we've never been through a pandemic like this, right? So I think yeah. what's likely going to happen is as we go through the holidays, we'll probably see a spike in COVID. So that might affect CES. And then, you know, then it might slow down a bit, right, uh, before um, Digital Signage Expo. But I think we're never going to see shows the way they used to be. I think right. we'll, I think they'll be hybrid. I think every organization, I know mine, Christy, I don't know how yours is doing it, but mine has completely rethought how we show up mm -hmm. and uh, we're just doing it differently. I was going to ask, how can you give me an example of how you know, QSIS is is reimagining their presence at? I'm curious to know as a manufacturer, too. Yeah, so uh, we will take less staff and have less of a footprint um, and we will do as much as we can to make it hybrid. Corey, let me let me ask you this just before we change topics for a second. One of the things that I'm most curious about with DSE is they are very um, international, right? It is a yeah. it, it, the major manufacturers are almost all international manufacturers. Will that play into the success of this year's show? Yes. Well, all right then. <laughs> right. Because because of the COVID numbers, like, yeah. you know, with what's happening in Germany and, and uh, you know, Italy, et cetera. So and, and now we've got the you know, we'll have to the news will still be following what happened in the holidays. Mm -hmm. And and some organizations are just going to say we're not going to put we're not going to risk putting people on planes. Right. So sometimes it's a the employees concerned about going because, you know, I mean, now we're getting vaccines at the, you know, down to the age of five, I think, but there are families that have children that are younger and they're concerned about bringing something back. Mm -hmm. There are yeah. organizations that are just concerned about, you know, the health and well-being of their employees. Uh, they're, uh, you know, and internationally, you know, I mean, COVID just continues to spike and dip, you know, in all places of the world, right? So it's, it's, I think we're still going to be carrying that news a bit as we enter early 2022. And yeah. we're all just going to have to find a way to go, hey, this is the new, this is the way it is, you know, for the foreseeable future. You almost said new normal, Corey. You <laughs> Thank almost you for not. not. I know. Thank you for not. <laughs> it's like when I said, we'll, we'll circle back a second ago and wanted to yeah stab myself in the leg with a pen. All right. Uh, this comes to us from Commercial Integrator, the necessity of a value prop from Alan Braun, uh, who's a, a good friend of the show. Read through this article. It is, it, it's not a short little 200 word, you know, diatribe. It, it is a very well written article about the quality of a value prop. And, you know, he goes through a lot of really good points of, of why you have to have uh, a quality value prop for your company, whether you're a uh, an integrator or manufacturer, it, it doesn't matter. You really have to be able to create that value prop. One of the things that he touches on, Christy, is that we have to get past the, you know, we are better, right? Almost every value prop, quote unquote, you see, every mission statement you see is, hey, we're the best at this in this area. And whether that's a, a localized region, if you're an integrator, whether that's a, a, a tech space as a manufacturer, a lot of our value props come down to that we're the best and 
you know, that that's not always accurate. How do we get past that aspect of, of creating a value prop for, for your company or for your, your solution? Well, and I know that we're going to touch on this shortly about how marketing and PR drive your value proposition, but just coming to you from a, an RSM standpoint, um, who, as a person who sells power, power protection for a living, which is not necessarily the most exciting thing. I can just go through exactly how I do it and the things that have, I found that have created success for me in my space, which is, um, a lot of times, well, most frequently, even uh, a, a couple of weeks ago back in Denver, um, I start my presentation by saying, I know that there, you know, when I first started, I wanted to be the best. I wanted to tell you all the reasons why I was the best. And truly, you know, there we do have a value proposition. We're the only people in the world that can fully eliminate search. So in certain aspects, we are the best. Um, but I started to realize instead of talking about yet another box, it was so much more important to educate on the importance of power in general, because that is an education that was uh, in a department that was very lacking. I'm a product that goes to the build materials. People don't think about me. They set it, forget it. And when I started to have a conversation that was mixed with relationship, you know, we're trying to increase the relationship and build a relationship, you know, for the first time with education um, I started getting more people that were asking questions and getting really excited about the topic, which is very, very hard to do with power. So um, another part of this that's really exciting for me is, you know, or, you know, that's been missing for me, a component that's been missing is that face-to-face aspect over the past couple of years. So, you know, we're, when we're talking about value propositions, let's let's dial it all the way back to how do we keep people entertained and interested on a mm-hmm. Zoom call as opposed to an in-person meeting where we're at least feeding people Jason's deli. Um, and a lot of that needs to be that I'm not, you know, screaming a value proposition through a microphone, through a phone, through, you know, a camera. And it's more about having a being able to have a conversation. So if you're in, in that conversation doesn't always include talking about us all the time as manufacturers, it's finding the pain points, it's understanding exactly what's important to the person that you're talking to. So that value proposition is very different based off of Mm -hmm. who you're talking to, because we should be asking the questions instead of giving the answers. I personally think our industry is really challenged by defining value prop. And I, you know, I, I can tell you that at our company, we've been having this discussion for almost two years now because, and you know, one of the things we, we worked with someone that first reached out to our employees and said, Hey, give us a description about what do you think, uh, is or, you know, the brand of QSC, right? So, and, Boy, the responses very, they, they varied, you know, a very, <laughs> they were all over the spectrum. And some of them were so long winded that it's just like, oh my God, that's not a value prop, right? It, uh, you know, so we know we need to have something that's kind of quick that gets people interested. And I, and I, it's, it's just something that, in my opinion, is not easy. It's, and, but yet our industry, we don't give it enough. A thought because we're so into the widget in the box and we're so mm-hmm. ready to talk about the box. Mm-hmm. And I think on the system integrator side, this is, uh, you know, this was in uh, c- uh, commercial integrator, which I think was a really great audience because when you go to a, uh, the, you know, integrators websites, I mean, you can really, it's kind of just 
there's not a lot of differentiation. No, they're all the and same. And the value prop needs to differentiate your offering from somebody else. Corey, how do you balance writing that value prop and not letting PR get too, or, or, or take too much of a PR slash marketing mindset when you write that value prop? Because at the end of the day, whether you're a manufacturer, whether you're an integrator, your customer is always going to be the one who's going to hear that. And, and I love marketing. I've got lots of friends in marketing, but sometimes I feel that marketing can dilute that message that you're trying to get across or, yeah. or, or, or make it too fancy when it doesn't, yeah. you're, you're getting very esoteric with things opposed to, Hey, here's how we help. How do you get past yeah. that? Well, mm -hmm. I can tell you what we did is we actually surveyed customers and we've now done it. It was like six years and then we did it again about two years ago. Mm -hmm. And because we knew where we wanted to be and what we wanted people to think of when they thought of our brand. Um, so we so we first asked what customers what they thought of us. And then we weaved that into our messaging and then we surveyed again because what they thought of us may not have been what we wanted them to think of us as, right? <laughs> and so we wanna make sure we're able to see movement, but I think it's really important because it's not about just putting out a fancy statement to your point, Matt, about you know what marketing and PR says, it's really about what resonates with customers. And when you ask your customers, there are some really great nuggets in there for you to take. And then it's really authentic and something you can build upon, right? So it's kind of about where we are today and where we want to go and really asking the customers, what value do you see? And just pulling that out of them because when asked, they will tell you. I was going to say, I think, I think that there's a really great, a happy marriage between sales and marketing and, and maybe any, and that, that all depends based off of the company and the company culture. And, you know, as somebody that's out in the field, I have access directly to that kind of knowledge and that kind of feedback that I can relay back to marketing. So I think that it's a good, um, it's a good idea to have your sales and marketing have that conversation if they're not having it. Why are you giggling? I'm giggling because it's um, from my history, sales and marketing were always incredibly tight, but I realized that's not mm -hmm. the common, that's not common. And it, it, yeah. it depends it based off me. of the organization. It shocks yeah. me. Well, we're like-minded people. I know that operations is like over here, you know, and then sales and marketing is over here. But really, I think all of that needs to co-mingle and, and create a value proposition because there are so many nuggets of wisdom within all all of the other departments outside of sales and marketing that you can create a value proposition. You know, personally, if you're shipping, you're valuable right now. So I don't think that there's much more to say than that. So let me let me <laughs> let me ask you both. Uh, let me ask you both a question before we we move on to our last story. Should solutions and, and maybe this would be a better question for an integrator, which we don't have other than myself. Um, should solutions drive? your value prop or should your value prop drive your solutions? In my opinion, it's the latter, right? Because I feel like Why? you know the value you bring and then you're going to select the most appropriate solution. You know what I mean? And, and your value prop really is about listening to your customer's needs, right? And then, and then building mm -hmm. upon that. So I don't think it's ever about leading with a solution. Just one girl. Those solutions change based off of the customer. Well, they're supposed to. Uh, you said that, not me. I didn't. Say I totally that. did. 
but I didn't tell you which which segment of the industry doesn't believe that. Oh, ooh, sick burn, Matt. See, it'll be interesting to see if anyone listens to this because they're in that Cyber Monday holdover right. and how much hate mail I send to Tim over it. <laughs> thanks for letting us. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for stepping in, Matt. I, I will Tim always take that it. one. I know. I, I appreciate it. Uh, no, you can send your hate mail to me. I'll totally read it. Uh, let's let's wrap this up with a quick story that also comes to us from Commercial Integrator. Uh, AMX and Pana... Panopto. Oh, I'm going to mess this up again. Thank you, Panopto. I had it. I'm reading it here and have it written down here phonetically to, yeah, I, I have a soapbox thing about that too, but we won't get into that today. Um, Amex and Panopto have partnered up to streamline video recording and sharing. Uh, the Harman Professional Solution has partnered uh, to make this much more easy to use on the Amex control systems and the Madero touch panels. Uh, if you don't know what, uh, you should know who Amex is, but if you don't know who Panopto is, um, they're very big in lecture capture, et cetera, especially in higher ed. Uh, but they've got a, a full integration now so that you can, in theory, you know, one touch from a AMX panel to control all of the recording, sharing, deleting, all that fun stuff. Um, Corey, let me, let me start with you on this. Do we complicate, because this seems like a really simple thing that maybe shouldn't have taken so long to have happen, um, but that's beside the point. Do we complicate higher ed too often? Like every time I talk to anyone who works specifically in higher ed and my company does not. So I don't, we work in lower ed, I guess. I don't know. Like anyways, um, I work in a lot of private schools. I don't know. It's not a, I just don't know what it's called. Um, yeah. Anyways. Um, so, so I personally don't have the experience with this. But all I ever hear from everyone I know who works in higher ed is that the end users need it to be like so incredibly simple so that they can use it, that they're a very finicky bunch. Yeah. And all I ever hear is that every solution that seems to be delivered is just way too complicated. Yes. This back to our previous conversation, this sh in my mind should be as simple as the users want it to be really simple. So let's give them a really simple solution, which this seems to do. Yes. But that seems to be an outlier. <laughs> Why is that? Or am I setting you up for a problem here? Do I need to answer my own so, question? You know, for, it does need to be simple. And, and the actual user of the technology wants it to be simple because they want to focus on teaching, right? They don't want mm -hmm. to be focused on the technology. And so... You, you know, yes, it needs to be uh, simple. And and this does seem like, yeah, a no-brainer because if you're using an AMX uh, control system, you should be able to have everything at your finger, fingertips that you want to control. So, you, you know, yeah, seems to be seems to be like a no-brainer, right? So um, does higher ed need to be uh, 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 easy to, you know, easy to use, absolutely. Um, it needs to be easy to install, easy to replace, easy to upgrade, and quite frankly, needs to be <laughs> extendable, meaning that whatever the investment is, and that's what I see this as, is whatever the investment mm -hmm. is, is that you can build upon it. So if you are a campus that's standardized on AMX, you know, to, the, to bring this in is probably a feature that people have been requesting and wanting, you know, so it's, it's building upon something that they've made an investment in, you know, some time ago. 
um, you know, which is great. But yeah, we, uh, I was talking to a large platform company and the moment um, we pulled in uh, one of our product guys to start talking about product, they were texting me. He's like, no, this needs to be simple, right? Because they're thinking USB, you know, they're thinking like, mm -hmm. I just want to plug in USB and be good to go. Right. And quite frankly, the yeah. platform companies like Zoom has had Panopto, um, you know, app available because mm -hmm. they want it to be simple for Zoom users. And Zoom is very strong in in education. Yeah. Christy, let, let's wrap this with you. The uh, again, I, I'm I should get off this, but I, I'm just having a hard time with it. Why? Why do we make things so hard? Like I I, I I know that these systems are complicated, right? They are. We 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 exist to make we exist to make. You know, I've always said this. We're a bunch of people that make things that are very complicated very simple, or some things that are very simple very complicated, <laughs> depending on who you talk to. Like I can change oil in my truck, but I have no idea how the engine works. Right. What I do know is I get in my my truck and I put the key in and because it's an old you know i've had it for a year or two and i turn the key and it turns on and i turn on the seat heater because it's now cold up here in canada um and, and i drive it and it works and it's great if i had to understand even what happens when i put the key in and turn the key to properly explain to someone how i wanted to drive a car like I, I, great, great to me that's always the the disconnect that we we seem to see is I don't, I don't want to say that we're too smart for our own good, but so often we know all of this stuff. So then when a, a tech manager gets into a meeting with a manufacturer to talk about, hey, we need to have le lecture capture work. It's this super technical conversation when the end user wants to walk in, probably not even plug in a laptop, but put their laptop on a, you know, on a presentation table and just have it work magically. Yeah. And we all know that is not how it works, but in their mind, that's how it should work. Yep. How, how do we figure, and again, this is probably a much bigger conversation for a much uh, longer time period than we have, but how do we go about trying to keep it in the forefront that we need to simplify systems for it, our, our, our users? Conversations like this today are how we continue to keep it at the forefront because I think that, and dare I say it, and I'm going to probably offend some people, but we're, we're, a, our industry needs fresh blood. It needs fresh perspective. We've been doing a lot of the same things, even though the technology advances, we don't have a lot of, you know, it's very generational. Um, I, I feel, you know, and, and think, think back to Apple. Did, does, does, I'm, I'm on an iPhone right now doing this, doing this, um, this video cast and my phone is capable of doing so many other things, but can I still turn the key? Can I, can I, can I make a phone call? Can I shoot a text out? Can an 87 year old grandmother learn how to work an iPhone for the things that she needs to use it for? Absolutely. Is it capable of more? Sure thing. But that question starts to me, there's a few approaches that we can take to this. One, we need to either manufacturers to integrators and integrators passing this along to the end user need to start asking way more refined questions of that end user and simplify the process for them instead of, again, we'll go, I'll wrap it, I'll, I'll go full circle here 
talking about the technology. We don't need to have this massive value proposition. We need to be listening to the needs of our end users, of our customers, and making solutions and value propositions oriented around that. Maybe we can do a thousand things, but those thousand things are useless to the person that only wants mm -hmm. one. And and you know the other thing that I think would be a really great addition to our family um, of, of people in our industry is maybe we need to start looking at you know they're outside of our industry in the tech industry there are UX designers you know there are people there are graphic designers there are people that make technology very intuitive for the end user and they have that they're they're purpose driven specifically for that so if we can add a person like that into the conversation. And let the engineers be engineers. Let the, the salespeople be salespeople. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that would be a, a wonderful contribution. And, and we can certainly carve out space to add more people into our industry with uh, with a different skill set, in my opinion. Yeah, I love it. All right, let's leave it there. Thank you both for joining us. Uh, Christy, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Surgex, where can they do that? Oh, my God. And I'm shipping I have stock. I looked at that today. So I'm sorry. Shameless plug. I'm sorry. Shameless receptacle, you know, to be technical. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Christy Mitchell, or it's Christy.Mitchell at Amatech.com. Excellent. Thank you, ma'am. Uh, Corey, if people want to connect with you, learn more about QSC, where can they do that? They can connect with me on LinkedIn uh, or on the Twitters uh, or Corey.Schaefer at QSC.com. Awesome. Thank you both uh, for, for joining me and for taking some time out of your Thanksgiving holiday. Again, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, happy Cyber Monday, I guess, uh, as well, because this will show up on, on, on Monday. Uh, thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me and send me the hate mail over any one of those topics, uh, you can do that at Matt D. Scott on Twitter. Uh, I totally won't block you. And uh, that's the same on pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of AV Week.